Hello and welcome to the Corinne Nidja podcast. This is episode 91 and the final countdown to 100. And I was thinking, because I'm so excited about celebrating our 100th episode, I was thinking that we should have a... Now, I know the people listening in America and overseas probably can't join me, but I was thinking I would love to meet some listeners face-to-face and have a 100th episode celebration, potluck, whole food, plant-based, delicious food sharing meetup. And maybe some guests from the show could come and maybe we could make it like a big, awesome day where we recap over the favourite episodes that we had and the best and favourite moments of the show together and we can just connect and you can all give me a huge high five and a hug because it's been such an epic journey with you all that I've really, really loved and I really wanted there to be a hundred episodes. Now, I'm, I really want there to be a thousand episodes, so don't panic. I'm not stopping at 100, but it just means so much to me that you've all been supporting this podcast which takes a lot of work for my whole family and time and effort. And so, yeah, I'm I'm thinking that one day I I might need to look into perhaps something like a Patreon account just because it does take up a full day of, of work between myself and my husband that we do for the love of it, but obviously we have a family to feed and bills to pay and kids to take on to school trips and adventures and all those things and... Yeah, I do. I do think that to get to a thousand episodes, I may have to look at some form of sponsorship for the podcast because, yeah, it is it is a lot of work and it doesn't come for free as far as time and as far as getting guests and as far as editing and paying for it to be everywhere and all of those things. So I'm looking into that past 100. If anyone says that they would sponsor the podcast, please let me know because I am on the search for some sponsors. I don't want to have ads. So this would be what the best way I can think of doing it might be something like Patreon or maybe a membership on my website where you get some edits. Or I, I was even thinking about having releasing the short, short edits of the podcast to Spotify and everywhere and maybe having the longer, the full episodes available to Patreon sponsors. I'm not sure. Obviously, I want everyone to have access to it, but I don't know how to do that in the long term moving forward without some form of sponsorship. So I think that's where we're going to go, even though I've been avoiding saying that for a very long time. And I should have said it a long time ago because it is a lot of, a lot of time, but it, It's something that I'm super, super, super passionate about, as you all know. So I really want there to be thousands and thousands of episodes and it continue forever and all time because I know that there's people out there that need to know that this way of eating can change their life and save their life. And that's what I am most driven by with this podcast. So that's if you're wanting to come to the 100th celebration, please let me know in the comments on the show notes or at the comments on the comments on social media because I'm serious. I'm serious about that. And if you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, I would be 
over the moon. If you're thinking that something that, or if you're thinking that I'm crazy and should try something else, then let me know that too. But don't let me know it in an angry way. I'm not trying to scam anyone of any money. I'm thinking like maybe just anyone can get it for a dollar a month, probably over at Patreon. It's just that, yeah, I do think I need to do something because financially it's it's a big chunk of, well, it's a full day of the week, which is, yeah, I could be working. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you have any ideas, let me know. I'm happy to to hear them. If you have any ideas in the show notes or anyone that you think I should talk to, I would be happy to hear. I'm open to any suggestions of what I can do to keep this podcast going to thousands and thousands of episodes, which is the goal. Or if you're like an amazing, amazing social media person who wants to look after my Instagram and social media to promote the podcast so it reaches more people, I would also like to hear from you. Um, yeah. Otherwise, thank you all for listening. I've talked for way too long and now I have to introduce this week's guest, which is the incredible Andrew Spudfit Taylor. He's on the show again. He was on the show in episode 16. So please go back, scroll back, listen to his episode because on that episode he talks about his his year spent eating nothing but potatoes to overcome food addiction and, and transform his life from the inside out. So I love talking to Andrew. He's become such a great inspiration and friend of mine. And I was very excited to have him back on the show. So thank you so much, Andrew. For agreeing to come on the show and talking to me, I loved our chat. I could talk to you for endlessly. We have such a lot of things that we both find interesting. So it was wonderful and we went a bit over time because we finished the three tips and then I went on a tangent, as I tend to do. Yeah, so this episode we talk a lot about the strategies, the mindset strategies that we need when we're – food is a huge part of this podcast, but for a lot of people who are dealing with food addiction, myself – many of the guests on this show, it's, as Andrew would say, we need a thought plan as well as a food plan. So when he does his work with his coaching clients, he talks a lot about the food plan, but a big chunk is also about changing that thinking, creating that thought plan, how you're going to think moving forward when you're faced with tricky situations involving food choices or you know, when you've got those cravings hit, all those things, he really works on creating that thought plan, which I'm, I'm totally going to use more with my own clients because I think it's, it's, it's the biggest piece of the puzzle in a, in a, in a lot of ways. So Andrew is doing one-on-one coaching now. You can go over to his website, spudfit.com and you know, email him through there and get yourself a free coaching call, which is just a chance for you to see what he's all about. Give him your story and see if you think that you can work together because I know that he's going to – he has so many great tools, which he shares in this episode, including his emotional eating meditation, which sounds absolutely fantastic. He gives great tips. We talk a lot about all the ways our mind tries to trick us into making choices that we don't align with our values and our higher selves. So I love 
talking to him. I know that you will too. So follow SpudFit on social media everywhere at SpudFit and go to the SpudFit website. He also has a SpudFit podcast over at YouTube and I think it's on Spotify and everywhere as well, iTunes. I know it is. So definitely worth checking that out. Thank you so much, Andrew, for coming on the show. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. I look forward to hearing all your feedback in the comments. As long as it's not like mean. So please don't post mean things in my things or just have to cry and then just delete them. So um, thank you, everyone. If you have some kind, constructive comments to put onto my into my comments, I would love to hear from you. And otherwise, enjoy the show and thank you so much again for listening. But I'm not going to do an outro because this is too long and Ranjit's going to crack. So it'll just end abruptly. So enjoy the show and I will see you all next week for episode 92. Bye. Hello, Andrew, and welcome to the show. Hello, Corinne. Thank you for having me back. It's uh, an honour to be a two-time guest of Corinne Ninja Podcast. No, you are the second. I did Natalie Woodman again. This is episode 90. And now we're in the final countdown. So I think I'm just going to get some old, oldie but goodie guests back on the show for the final yeah, countdown. Cool. Counting down to 100 episodes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's soon. Yeah, right. I cool. Know. How exciting. Top 10. <laughs> last 10. So, yeah, no, it's good to have you back in the final 10 before we get to Triple figures. Yeah, well, that is a, a milestone worth celebrating for sure. I, know, I don't know <laughs> I'm how. Happy to I'm happy to help g- you do it. Thank <laughs> you. I don't know how to celebrate. I'm so excited. I feel like I felt like when I got to a hundred, anyone who said to me, you know, ah, oh, what about paleo, <laughs> or anyone who said, oh, you know, my friend says the keto diet, I can be like, look, there's a hundred episodes on why that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Now>. <laughs> And interesting, sorry, we're already going on a tangent, but yeah, I like it. just yesterday, someone sent me a message and said, hey, Andrew, um, I don't know if you know about this, but I, I just found this article and your photo's in it. I was like, oh, cool, all right, I'll have a look at this article. Turns out to be an article, uh, it's a, basically a testimonial for some people doing some keto diet stuff, and it's about uh, Paul, Paul Hussain, who's a lawyer who lives in um, Zurich and London, and he had all this amazing, like he got over his type 2 diabetes and, and even got over his bowel cancer, got all this other stuff, was cured by doing this diet and this amazing keto diet stuff. And the photo is me. <laughs> that is my mouth. I was, I was agape. Yeah. You can't see. My jaw dropped. I, so I did they see that. <laughs> made up the whole thing obviously it's just a whole made-up lie thing about this is do the keto diet because it's awesome because it'll do all this amazing stuff that it did for this paul hussein guy who that's photos me like yeah and none of the story is actually correct i didn't have diabetes or colon cancer or any of the stuff they're talking about (laughs) wow see that's terrifying isn't it there's people out there just desperate to promote and prolong this myth that a keto diet is healthy and sustainable and good for people. Yeah, yeah. No, no, there's no the lengths, lengths they won't they, go to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Imagine if they've, I'm just thinking about them using an image of me to promote that diet with, a, you know, 100 episodes of a whole food <laughs> plant base. All of a sudden, I've... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Like, I'm a potato guy. I couldn't be further from keto, you know? No. <laughs> Yeah, the, what a the way weird I lost choice. my weight and yeah, the way I lost my weight and gained my health was like the polar opposite of keto. You know, they could have surely they could have found someone who actually did the diet to you know to at least lie about someone who 
you know, there, there must be a, a success story out there that they could have used. I don't know. This is just, it's weird. <laughs> it's interesting because ages ago, and I've mentioned this on the show, I Googled because I was like, Corinne, you're in your own echo chamber of, you know, Google's telling me exactly what I what I like, you know, they're just... Mm. They're sending me all the information that I like and a Google search that you do and a Google search that Ranjit does gets very different answers because Google knows us so well and what we like. And so I Googled disease reversal with a paleo diet and or with a high-fat diet. And I, I thought I'm just going to try and get the echo chamber to be a bit more, well, a bit less echoey <laughs> and get some yeah, more yeah. information. <laughs> and there's just, yeah. there was one, there was like one thing, but when you Google the same thing for a whole food plant-based, there is just endless disease reversal yeah. weight loss stories to be found. There's endless weight loss story. If I had to put weight loss story into keto, of course, if you're starving yourself and reducing your calories and eating no processed foods, of course, you're going to lose weight. But the long-term yeah. damage isn't it's not health promoting like a whole food plant based diet. Is yeah, it? yeah, it's so, it's so weird, and it really is interesting that the whole the way the algorithms work, where they keep feeding you stuff that's going to make you feel good about things that you're already doing, rather than challenging your beliefs and all of that. That's it's really interesting, but yeah, there's just the keto diet just doesn't have the evidence to back it up that the whole food plant based diet does. And I get people every well, not every day, but most days I get someone in a comment section or in um, in an email telling me that keto is better than um, plants and, you know, fats better than carbs and all this sort of stuff. And I always just say, just show me, just show me one study, just find me one study that shows um, long-term health benefits over doing, over eating a high carbohydrate, whole food plant-based diet. Just, just one study. That's all I want. You know, there are millions of studies around on nutrition. Just find me one that, that, tells you that gives you reason to believe that keto is better than what you and I do and I've never no one's ever managed to come back with something for me so yes anyway no one ever no one ever has but yet like we say that the thing is our facebook feeds our you know our search engines all of those things they are sending us information that they think yeah. we'll like to keep our eyes on their products yeah, on their yeah, platforms yeah. and I think that people need to be aware of that just in general because we're not because unless you we think that we're getting this is the internet that everyone gets or this is the Facebook that everyone sees you know this this is the Instagram yeah. everyone gets but it's just not we each get yeah. given a version that they think is targeted directly to us and our likes and preferences so if we like keto then of course we're going to get all these people that it looks super hot keto and not question it <laughs> yeah and on top of that these these feel good stories that you're being fed with are uh, maybe not even true as we exactly yeah, like. <laughs> you might see Andrew yeah. Taylor in a keto ad saying this cured his <laughs> bowel cancer <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know, touch wood. Hopefully, that's, that's something I never have to deal with. Did you but write I, I, to the I, author at all? Have you followed it up? I, I have emailed them, and it only happened yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I haven't heard back yet, though. I'm not expecting to. I wouldn't but, either. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty frightening stuff, really. That, yeah. that, that they're going to that length. That's just. And since, like, I shared it on social media as well, and so, like, hey everyone, here's some a website that's lying and using my photo, and um, I got heaps of comments from people that have had this happen to them as well like wow. yeah or people that have seen it with other people yeah apparently it's quite common i'd never heard of it until it happened to me but apparently it happens all the time so 
There you yeah. go. Oh, my goodness. It's a jungle out there, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jungle out there. I thought it was bad that McDonald's have got my, the same theme music as my podcast episode is there. Oh, really? Yeah. I, have, I don't have TV. So I keep yeah, getting either. beautiful people keep writing to me and saying, oh, your theme music. <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> is now using it for their, like, Angus burger or something like that. Oh, right. Which is totally, obviously, in conflict with this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and part of me thinks I want to keep holding on to it to see who wins, me or McDonald's, who's going <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> withdraw their music first. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not too phased about it, but I think I'm going to change the music anyway just because I think I might have less music. If, you're, if the music's annoying you, because it annoys me, I don't want to listen to the music. It's obnoxious. So if you're yeah, – well. <laughs> Iggy likes it. So here's a vote for yes. I'm saying maybe more gentler <laughs> music, perhaps not so loud and rowdy. I was very excited about the podcast launch when I chose the music, so I think that times I'm, I'm now excited in a different way. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, the, the excitement has evolved. It's so. evolved. Now it can be more peaceful. <laughs> Yeah, Peaceful yeah. and gentle in the background. Yes, so Andrew, I'm so excited to have you on the show because I obviously I love your your whole journey of committing and dedicating yourself to Spuds for 365 days. I think that that is mind-blowing and fantastic for this movement and for your own health. But I think for many people listening – who have been through food addiction or who are, who have food addiction currently, I think it's like your work since then and through that journey has really helped you become someone who people want to listen to about food addiction. And, and now you're doing one-on-one coaching. And I think that in this episode, in this t- time together, I'd like to just talk more about food addiction and the struggles people have and the ways you help people move through those struggles. Yeah, well, that sounds like fun. And yeah, it's, uh, I, I learned a hell of a lot from that year of Only Potatoes. And, you know, everyone naturally, I don't blame anyone for it, but people want to focus on the extremeness of it where, yeah, eating potatoes only for a year is an extreme thing to do. And, I, and that doesn't make it a bad thing, by the way. Extreme can be good. Um, but it is an extreme and out there thing to do and um, an unusual thing. And, uh, yeah, it's – it's. but the point I'm trying to make is I guess that it wasn't about potatoes for me. Potatoes was uh, potatoes was a tool uh, and a vehicle that allowed me to uh, sort of take a break from food and allowed me to focus on myself and, you know, my, my thoughts and my feelings and – um, just there was a lot of inner work that I needed to do to to deal with my relationship with food, and um, and potatoes I guess just gave me the space to do that. Um, you know I didn't have to think about what I was going to eat and how I was going to eat it, and you know I didn't have to plan meals and stuff. I did. Have, there's a, an element of planning, but it's much less. And um, yeah, just we don't realise how much time and effort is taken up with food every day, um, and then. You know, if you've, that's, it's a lot of time and effort and energy taken up with food if you've got no food issues. But then if you've, you know, got food addiction on top of that, then it's, it's just, it totally just engulfs your life. And just, it's like every waking moment is almost spent in this um, internal conflict over when and how and what you should eat. And um, yeah, it's just so draining. So just, just taking a step back from that and eating only potatoes for that 
period of time was uh yeah just allowed me to 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 just learn so much about myself and why and how I make the decisions I make and so for people when they, I, I I absolutely resonate with what you've just said as far as that goes because I have lived with food addiction for ever it feels like forever and and it has improved a lot like I was talking to my husband last night about it and just saying you know when I'm on a spectrum often you think I, I often I think oh god I've you know today I ate too much tahini you know or whatever yeah. <laughs> and my husband's like and I'll beat myself up about the tahini and he'll say babe you know you used to smoke eat cake you know like yeah. <laughs> eat all these things it's okay to have a bit of tahini you know excess yeah. every now and again on the spectrum and so I have come so far but I still find it very hard and mentally I still find that I have this this voice of an ex food addict that's still it's, it's like a little gremlin in there still like thinking about the binge eating never binge again book with a lovely friend Glenn uh, Livingston you know he talks about having that squealing pig in your head and, yeah. I, and that squealing pig in my head is still very much alive <laughs> and, he's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's often squealing but I agree with you as far as that journey having to be constantly thinking about that where the what those triggers are, where where it's stemming from, you know, all, all this inner work that I've had to do and you've had to do. But where where can people start if they're not willing to do a hundred, you know, three hundred sixty five days of potatoes? Where can they start on doing that work that we're both been trying to do and you've done? Yeah, well, to just to to start with, you know, when I'm I'm doing, we talked about my coaching that I do and. Um, I've got a few clients that I'm working with at the moment and I've only got one person that's doing only potatoes. You know, my, my coaching is not focused on doing only potatoes. Yeah, I do think uh, only potatoes, I'm a big fan of doing that. If, if it's something that resonates with you and something you want to do, then I think absolutely you should do it. But a lot of people don't want to do only potatoes and that's fine. Um, you know, we, for me, the, beginning, uh, the beginnings of it is you can take it as, as basic as you want. But the beginnings of it is uh, is just to make make what you're doing as simple as you possibly can, make it whole food, plant based only, and just just keep it really really simple, keep it minimalist. I call it like yeah minimalist eating, and um and you know at least create some some solid uh, rules around what you're doing, and um and come up with a very very minimal food plan um, that that's easy to follow. So there's basically two parts to what I what I do. First is the food plan, and we want to come up with a simple, basic, easy to follow food plan, um, something that works with you and your lifestyle, and something that's you know you're going to enjoy as well. Um, and then, but not too much, not too much enjoyment. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we do have to rein in the enjoyment of food a little bit. But then the, the main the main part of the main focus of my work with people is working on what I call a thought plan. You know, every diet that we work on, every every um, you know lifestyle change, we, the focus always seems to be on what you eat, and that's important, no doubt. It's important what you eat, but um, but the thought plan is is where it's at for me. We need a we know that situations are going to come up where. Um, that squealing pig that you mentioned for me, I call it, I call it the inner junkie. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a junkie living in our head and that junkie is, is the only thing that junkie's interested in is getting high. And uh, that junkie will tell you anything 
that they that they think will um, will make you give them their drugs. So, have you seen Basketball Diaries? No, I, I, it's it's on my list. Yeah. <laughs> well, I because you said that, and I'm sorry, everyone, for going on a tangent. But with that junkie, I often think because in that in Basketball Diaries, if you've seen it. You'll know what I'm talking about. But Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a junkie and he at one stage is going through detox and he's holding on to this man who's helping him go through detox and he's foaming at the mouth and he's screaming, he's dragging on his leg and he's going, Reggie. The guy's name is Reggie who's helping him and he's screaming, going Reggie and frothing at the mouth. And yeah. I always say to Ranjit, whenever I have my inner junkies screaming about, you know, eat this cake or eat this thing, I always think of Leo just frothing at the mouth <laughs> going, Reggie, and like just can't even walk. He's just desperate. Yeah, <laughs> And that's what my inner voice is like, you know, that really Leo at his worst in basketball diaries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's interesting, you know, that you could think of Reg as your, you know, your higher consciousness. Yeah. And Leo, Leo is the junkie. Yes. And, you know, if, if, if Reg's job is to care for Leo. It is. Is, is not going to give him drugs. Well, he didn't. Just, Leo's going to have to Good suffer guy. for a little while, you know. That's so <laughs> Unfortunately, true. that's just the way it is. That's yeah. a beautiful way of looking at us. I've never really factored Reggie into the yeah. equation. I've always just been focused on Leo and the desperation. But yeah. it, on that, and I, I really want to go keep on the thought plan because I think it's really yeah. a great topic. But for you, just for people who are listening, I would like to know, and because like Glenn talks about it in his work as well and in the interview, that that junkie is that after 365 days of potatoes and now it's been several couple of years at least since you finished the potato yeah is the squealing pig still there and it, it, like, like the junkie in a junkie still there screaming away at you and you're just very good at being reggie and saying no or is that junkie gone now there's no junkie up there yeah okay so just to go back to the Reg and Leo analogy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I look at it like this. So in the beginning, Leo was, you know, the junkie was big, strong, powerful, obnoxious, yeah. Yeah. dominated the room. He yeah. was the guy that when you walk into the room, he's like the guy that everyone looks to and listens to and pays attention to and, you know, what he what he wants, he gets. And he's like, he's impossible to ignore. And then the Reg character, my, my higher level of consciousness was like, weak and sitting in the corner by themselves, you know, with a voice, but it was a quiet, it was a confident voice, but it was a quiet and, and calm voice. And it's in the background and you really had to pay attention if you wanted to hear that voice. And most of the time, even if you did hear that voice, you're still drawn back to the, the loud and obnoxious um, junkie that is just telling you what you want to hear. Right. So, that's the way it was in the beginning and it's things have sort of flipped around now so that my my higher consciousness has gone from sitting in the corner um and to taking the center of the stage now and dominating the show and it's not dominating the show with with like loud obnoxious brashness and you know screaming and foot stomping and all of that it's just a it's a big um big presence and instead of sitting in the corner and like you know, sitting at, in the background, it's it's at front and center, and it's confident and calm, and it's uh, it's it's prepared to speak loudly, not screaming, but just louder, and 
you know, it's, it dominates the room with, you know, with this calm, calm confidence. And, um, and the junkie has now gotten weak and the junkie is sitting in the corner in the background and every now and then gathers the strength to go, hey, let's have some cake. But then, but then you know, the, the, confident, um, the confident and calm uh, higher consciousness in the front of the room can just go quiet down you. We're not doing that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like if I'm walking past a shop every now and then I'll walk past a shop and see cake in the window and go, Oh, that looks nice. And then my very next thought is, yeah, it looks nice, but you know, it's going to make you miserable. Just leave it alone. And I, then I keep walking and that's the end of that debate. Whereas in the past, if I'd most of the time I would have gone in and got the cake. But on the odd occasion that I, I resisted and kept on walking, there would have been this internal debate going on for the rest of the day or even the next day after that as well. And it would have just kept on going until eventually I just, oh, okay, I'm just going to have the cake and just shut this conversation up. And of course it doesn't shut the conversation up. Well, it does. You eat the cake and everything is calm. But then as soon as the cake's finished, the conversation sparks up again and it's even louder and more angry and you get more disappointed with yourself and, um, yeah, so the, that, um, that conversation has changed now. I don't deal with that ongoing internal dialogue. It's just a, it's a short, quick thing and it, and it happens, but it's over very quickly. Yeah. That's really interesting. And it just made, when you're talking, I was thinking it is kind of like what you're saying. Well, for me, what's how I've interpreted it is thinking about having, you know, my son, Iggy, you've met Iggy. Yeah, I kill off and Thea. They often say we want lollies, and I'll be like, "It's it's like having your inner child and your adult self. It's like parent. It's like that Reg or that version of you that was in the corner. The meant that the what did you, how did you describe them as your your conscious your higher your higher consciousness yeah. is your inner parent, and it is. I think yeah. for people to think, but for me, if I think of it like that, would I let Iggy eat all the lollies he wanted? You know, I I wouldn't because. Yeah. He would have health problems. I wouldn't. And so if I think about it like it's my little Corinne in there saying, I want some cake, and <laughs> my inner parent going, yeah, but it's not good for you. I can't, you know, if I gave in to every time you wanted cake, like I said to my kids, if I let you eat whatever you want, you'd eat donuts, lollies, and mint on biscuits, the vegan mint yeah. biscuits yeah, for, every, yeah. for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you'd never go to the toilet, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be <laughs> fast. You wouldn't. <laughs> I can't. You'd be removed from my care. And I think that that's a good way of thinking. For me, like listening to you, if I think about it as like a little kid in my head saying, I want this cake, I want this biscuit, I want this thing. And then this other person who's a parent just going, I love you, which is why yeah. I can't let you have this. <laughs> exactly. And I, it's funny, I've, you know, I've been a teacher for a long time and part of your job as a teacher is coming up with a million ways to say the same thing. And, um, and because, you know, everybody learns in different ways and everybody thinks in different ways and you've, you've just got to learn to say the same thing over and over again in as many different ways as you can. And um, I've actually got a blog post on my website, spudfit.com, if anyone wants check to look it out, for it. Check it out. There's, um, I've written a blog post called Parenting Your Inner Child. Ah. And it goes along, yeah, <laughs> that was a while back, but it's along the lines that you now said. Now I have yeah, to exactly. go look at it. And I, I imagine that, um, you know, imagine you're in the supermarket and your you little toddler reaches out and says, I want this um, – I call this this chocolate or whatever this lolly, and you say no, you can't have that. And then, oh, but I really want it. I really want it. And um, and and then no, you can't have it. And then sooner or later, they're on the ground kicking and screaming. They're creating a huge scene, and you're embarrassed about it. 
and and then you know if you give in and give them the chocolate that's reinforcing the behavior and it and it means that next time they want a chocolate they're going to do exactly the same thing you know you might be able to negotiate with them say okay if you be good i'll give you the chocolate which is we do have these conversations internally anyway if, you, if you're good i'll give you the chocolate if you behave yourself and okay no problem they'll take the chocolate and then they'll behave themselves for the next hour or whatever, you know, the rest of the day if, if they're an amazing kid. But you know. <laughs> I don't have one of those, but yes. <laughs> but, you know, you'll get a, a little while of good behaviour, but you're reinforcing that bad behaviour. So every time you give into a craving, you're reinforcing whatever that situation is that came up that made you have that craving. If you give into it, then you're reinforcing that craving. And, and, you know, the next time you walk past that shop that had the nice cake in it, the craving's going to come roaring back because you're in a junkie, you're in a child, whatever it is that you want to think of it, you're in a Leo. Um, it's just uh, that behavior has been reinforced. So you go past that same cake shop, cake shop and without really thinking about it, that craving comes up because, because your inner child knows that, hey, this is where we got cake last time. Let's try again. That you is know? so and, true. Yeah. Yeah, so it's about it's all about just breaking those circuits and breaking the cycles that we get ourselves in, and um, yeah, and and we need to come up with different ways to to do that, you know, to to break the cycles, and we need a we need a circuit breaker, a circuit and, breaker, uh, which is what your yeah. thoughts thoughts plan thought plan would probably yeah, help that's what it's all about, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the thought plan, the way I, the way I think of that is the way I describe it to people that I'm working with is. Um, imagine that you, you're in a, you're on a debate team, right? And there's a debate coming up at the end of the week and you're going to be in the town hall. There's going to be hundreds of people there and you're going to be, you're going to be standing in front of everyone and debating about stuff that you're passionate about. Between now and then, you're going to be spending a lot of time researching your topic. You're going to be getting all of the facts clear in your head. You're going to be coming up with the arguments that you want to make and you're, you're going to be, you're going to be really ready with, the knowledge of the topic and the arguments that you want to make. But on top of that, you're going to be looking at, at, the, at the argument from your opposition's point of view, and you're going to be coming up with arguments that you think they will make so that you're ready with replies and you're ready to deal with the arguments that they come up with. All right? And, and you're, going to be, you're going to be so, so well-prepared looking at both sides of the argument. You're going to get on that stage and you're going to dominate. All right? with, with food... It's not always that predictable of when the debate's going to come up, but you know that there are situations where, that are likely to trigger certain cravings or certain feelings and emotions that you would usually deal with, use food to deal with, or you know whatever the situation is. It, you know, everybody maybe they think they don't, but once we talk about it and you know once we coax some information out of people, most people know exactly when these problems are likely to come up, and they go into them unprepared. And there's a debate that's about to happen in their head and they go in unprepared. The junkie's prepared. The junkie knows exactly what to say and how to say it, you know. In this case, you know, there's another way to say it. I sometimes think of that inner voice as a dodgy lawyer. It's always just looking for cracks, cracks and loopholes in arguments and, you know, different ways to, to you know, to, to sort of change the law to suit their means and um, to suit their needs, sorry. And... Um, and yeah, that that inner that inner dodgy lawyer is prepared for the debate. Always prepared, always ready. Anytime, anywhere, they're ready. And you've got to be ready too. With and that's what the thought plan's all about. It's about understanding the way that your mind works, understanding the situations that are likely to come up, and being ready 
for when that internal debate happens, being ready with simple, logical, clear responses um, so that, you know, so that this illogical lies that you're telling yourself can be easily broken down and, um, and you know, we can, we can just end that debate reasonably quickly and we can move on. And that's, that's what the point of the thought plan is. That is so handy. And I think because from myself and you know, in my own journey and work with, work with clients as well, I have been, because you think about the everyday, but the thing is, is that the slip-ups happen in the non-everyday, you know, the things that come outside the everyday are when most people, like often the, every, the everyday has its own issues, but I mean, there's the on holiday time or the we had a death in the family or this stressful, it, this job got redundant and this thing happened that's not the everyday and it's in those situations that that the you know that dodgy lawyer or that leo or the junkie or that whoever it is in your head that they're just like yes 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 you know game on <laughs> you're not prepared for this now i can get that crack food into me and i'm i used to, when i first got ms i wasn't a vegan i was plant based and for my multiple sclerosis so i was i wasn't an ethical vegan then, but I, so I didn't care if I slipped off and ate non-vegan food at that time because I hadn't, well, I hadn't formed those arguments. Like you say, I hadn't formed that inner stuff in myself to keep me wanting to commit to a whole food plant-based diet for my multiple sclerosis at the time. So if I had a funeral, I had a death in that. Remember I had this series where it was a year where I had three deaths and three funerals. And I had this thing where I was like, my, my inner lawyer had said, funerals are a free for all. You can eat whatever <laughs> you want at a funeral. You're grieving. It's hard. They've only got non-vegan sandwiches and party pies and sausage rolls. Go for it. And I would just binge eat f- at funerals because I was like, <laughs> I like had this, this, I'd made this loophole. Funerals, there's no yeah. vegan food. It's a loophole. They don't even have a fruit plate at a funeral. They just don't give a shit. <laughs> they just like, <laughs> they, they provide all the food that gets you into the casket at a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point that I hadn't thought of. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would let my my whole self go and just eat everything. But when you say that about having being always prepared for all the facets of life where there's, you know, you're grief stricken at a funeral and there's only party pies, to have that dialogue ready to fight back to that dodgy lawyer and to argue back against that. And obviously the inner yeah. strength to do that. But I hadn't thought about that for a really long time. And now I wouldn't do that at a funeral. But still... I still am like, I'm not, it is an area where you have those type situations where I'm like, you mm. know what, today I'm going to have vegan cake Yeah. that I, because I'm socially anxious, even though I know it might have oil in it because yeah. this is happening. And I think having those things ready, like you say, having that thought plan in place where you're like, you know, I can constantly, you know, preempting what those thoughts are going to be so that you can have a comeback for that is a really, really great strategy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, and it's it is important to have the food plan. Like, don't get me wrong; the food plan is important. But, um, but yeah, the the thought plan is where it's at because you know, looking at my own example, I would uh, even at my worst when I was you know hugely obese and, and and depressed and all of that, I was always good at having a healthy breakfast. I was fine. You get up in the morning, everything's good. I'd have a healthy breakfast, no problem. And then, and then I would I would be prepared. I would take a healthy lunch to school. I'd leave the house every day with a salad and, 
you know, a nice salad roll, maybe a green smoothie, whatever. I would take that stuff with me to work. And then lunchtime would come and all that stuff would go in the bin and I'd go and get something else, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so and it was every day, you know, not, I guess not every day, but most days all that delicious, not delicious, at the time I didn't think it was delicious, but now I do, but that healthy food that I took with me to, to work was, yeah, well, I, I had the best intentions and then it would just, it would go in the bin. And, and on top of that, I somehow managed to convince myself that that was the right choice. You know, I wasn't, you know, there's obviously I knew it was the wrong choice, but, but yeah, that's, that's the job of that. You know, that's the treat yourself is. mindset. They're like, yeah, yeah. oh, look, you've worked all day. Why do you want to eat this? Let's just get it. Everyone's going to the cafe. Let's get yeah, the cake. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, it's going to, it's going to solve all your problems, you know? And I would just, yeah, I would some, sometimes I would um you know go and get from the canteen or go you know some, you go to the staff room and it's always someone's birthday this is always someone's birthday there's cake nearly every day at a school if you're at a big school it's always someone's birthday there's always cake and yeah it's just my it's team just so leader had to- <laughs> lolly fridays and lolly fridays oh, yeah. she would literally buy like five bags of lollies and pour not more than that and pour them into this big bowl but they would last all, you know, people would be grazing on that all week, yeah. this big, yeah. giant bowl of lollies. And it, and then the cakes and the biscuits and the, there's always a staff member who bakes. Yeah. And they're always bringing in their baking for fun because they just love yeah. decorating cupcakes and covering them in glitter and sparkles. Yeah. If you're yeah. listening, staff member of mine, you know who you are. Stop trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there's always those people, and it's so tricky. Every single day, you have to have that battle. Yeah, and it's just it's constant. So uh, yeah, the first thing you need to be prepared with food, like I was. But um, but being prepared with food is not enough. You need to be, you, you know, there, there's sort of one of the big excuses I always had that would, without fail, would lead me to eating crap was that if I got hungry and there was not healthy food around. I would just be well. I just ha- I have to eat something, and there was not like a secondary thing. Well, go go to the supermarket and buy some fruit. It was just I have to eat something, and McDonald's is just over there, so it's obvious. Like it's my only choice. I have to go and eat McDonald's now, and that's what I would do. But so when I was doing potatoes only, and still to this day, not as not as much to this day because it's easier to just find healthy food when you're out. But when I was doing only potatoes, my, one, my number one rule was to always have potatoes with me. Um, and the main reason was just so that excuse was gone. I couldn't use that excuse. I'm hungry and I don't have food with me, so I have to go and eat McDonald's. Um, and by the way, I was vegan at the time, so going to eat McDonald's meant just going to eat fries. I wasn't going to eat burgers and stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, that excuse is gone. If if I'm hungry and I haven't got food with me, so I need to eat crap, eat crap then that excuse is gone. Um, but then you know we'll find other excuses, we'll find other reasons, and that's where the thought plan comes in. So, um, yeah, we're just, just, just getting prepared. And that uh, it was interesting what you said about funerals because during my year I had a funeral, I had a wedding, um, I, had, I had an overseas trip, uh, you know, during the year of potatoes, and I, and I survived through all of them. And they're, they're always, you know, when I'm coaching, they're always the big things, you know. Some, I'll start coaching and, and um, I'll start working with somebody and they'll say, okay, well, this is cool. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and eat healthy. Um, everything's going to be good. But, you know, in, in four months' time, I'm 
going on a cruise. Cruises always seem to come. Who are all these people that are going on these cruises? I don't I, know. I've never I've, been. I've never been and I never <laughs> yeah. want to go on one, even though the vegan yeah. one did sound good. I, I just get very yeah. seasick. So for me, it yeah. sounds like going in a box of torture for me because I will get so <laughs> yeah. sick. I'll just yeah. be a floating box of torture box for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have no problem with like there's no, I don't have any objection to people who want to go on cruises. Yeah, but no. I, I hope no one's insulted by that. But no. it's just, it always, it seems to come up a lot with the people that. So I'm going on a cruise, and I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to go about that. I'm like, okay, when's the cruise? It's four months time. Okay, is that should that affect what you eat right now? Well, no. Okay, so let's just focus on right now. Let's get it right, right now, and then you know, two things in four months time if you look at the cruise and it's still a problem, then we'll come up with a plan that'll get you through the cruise, right? But in four months' time, you're going to be thinking very differently about food. You're going to be a different person as far as you're going to be the same person, but your relationship with food is going to be different when you get to that cruise. Mm. So let's mm. let's work on that first. 16, 16 weeks is a good amount yeah. of time to make some yeah, pretty yeah. good leeway it's always, your... it's always the way. It doesn't matter how close it is, even if it's a week away, okay? If you're going on a cruise next weekend, then let's start talking about the plans for that on Thursday. We don't need to talk about it now. We need to, we need to just get through. Let's have a good breakfast. And then once you've done the good breakfast, let's have a good lunch and just progress through the week. And then when, when you need to actually take action, then that's when, that's when we'll start worrying about that. And even like, obviously, you're talking about funerals. And funerals are usually unexpected. You know, you only get a few days' notice for a funeral. And, but that's enough time to plan for it and it's enough time to work out what you're going to do and how you're going to get through it. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, and you know, you can, we can do this. It's, it's all possible. We just need, we just need planning and we need, um, a very good size handbag for all of your potatoes. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally packed banana. I, oh, I have handbag that I put like bananas, potatoes, everything yeah. <laughs> in for when I go to like a wedding or a thing where I know there's not going to be any food that I can eat. Now you just have to pre-plan. But I mean, if it is the closer the person is to you, the less your brain's going to be able to think if it's a death in the family. You know, like it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's going to be. It's a hard time, and you know, we're not. I'm not saying that, you know, it's easy to get through a funeral while, while eating healthy as well. It's not easy, but you can make it easier. You can make it, you know, you, you can um, knock down some of the barriers that get in the way and you can be prepared for it. And, you know, there's not, you don't have time for, you know, if, it's a, if a close family member, for example, has died, then you're going to have a few days where you're not going to be cooking. You're not going to be preparing your own food and stuff. And it's going to be hard, but, you know, at the same time, fruit doesn't take any preparation. And, you know, literally just when I bake potatoes, I literally just empty a bag of potatoes onto a tray in the oven, close it, turn it on, and then come back in 45 minutes to an hour and they're done, you know. that's that's uh, Maybe that's too hard for some people in that grieving state, but it's it's not it's something that can be done, you know. Yeah, potatoes are super, do- are super doable, especially when they're pre-washed and you don't even do the scrubbing part of it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's totally – and people around you can help you out as well in, the, in those times. And I think just – if you're yeah. listening to it now, prepare yourself. Someone you love's going to die. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I've got very black humour. I apologise. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so get yourself ready about what you're going to eat at the funeral now. Yeah. Get your debate argument ready for when the sandwiches and the party pies come out and have your potatoes in your handbag and your bananas. Yeah, 
Well, it's just it's just preparing your mind for all all eventualities. Really, that's what it's all about. Unexpected things are going to happen. You know, most days something's going to come up that's unexpected, and um, and yeah, they're all opportunities to uh, to practice and learn and and improve. And yeah, this is uh, just something we need to pay attention to all the time. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to talk to you about this thought plan about something that I have noticed, and I think a lot of people, you know, you in your coaching and in my coaching. It's just that we get through those – there's those dips in our, in our motivation and in our life where, for instance, I had no surgery last year and it's been complicated and it's still screwed and it's depressing when you're in that, when your health isn't quite right or you've got this an issue that means that your mindset and things are lo- – your frequency, your vibration <laughs> yeah. are lower and I find that then it's super hard – For a lot of people, when they have some kind of ailment or some kind of thing, it dips. How do you get, how do you help people in your coaching to get through? Because you know that that dip's going to come back up and you're going to be okay again and your energy is going to lift and you're going to be feeling okay. But how do you coach people through those times in life where maybe for like three months they're feeling shit and they just like, I'm too sick to change my state like Tony Robbins would say and go for a jog or rebound for a day and do some yodeling on a trampoline like like he does. I don't feel good enough. You know, I'm single and I've got all these issues that are making me depressed. How do you move people through that when food seems like it's the first thing that they want to relinquish? They want to use food as their comfort so much because they have got no – they feel like they've got nothing – going for them how do you help in that in that time well it's all it's going to be different for everyone because people cope about things in different ways but i've got this this thing that my the whole i guess really the whole focus of what what i do with people is is about learning to see reality for what it is um because we we spend so much time lying to ourselves and uh you know the that inner junkie again is is a liar and they lie to themselves and they tell you that chocolate cake's going to make you feel good or a donut's going to make this all better. And, um, and, you know, so I would spend some time talking with, with the people that I work with about what is the reality of that choice. Every time you, you know, it's, this is not about willpower. It's not about strength. It's not about positive thinking. It's not about any of that. It's just about taking some time to um, contemplate the, the actual reality of your choices. And, you know, it only takes a couple of minutes before each meal, but really contemplate the reality of the choices and really understand, um, yeah, the, the full impact of what you're, what you're doing with it at each meal. So, you know, that, that chocolate cake, yeah, it's going to make you feel good for a couple of minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes tops. You're going to feel good while you're eating that chocolate cake. Um, but like we know that the chocolate cake is contributing to the downside, the, to the downtime, it's contributing to the dip. It's not, it's not something that's going to bring you out of the dip. So we need to, you know, I, I can't guarantee the people that I work with that I can bring you out of the dip and, you know, make everything, make your life happy again. It's a, it is actually, having said that, it is amazing how, how quickly people's mood change when they get on top of their food. Um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to promise anyone that I'm going to improve their depression or anything like that. But what I can promise you is that I can help you stop eating foods that contribute to the to the dip and contribute to the depression and you know we know that the reality is if you eat that cake 
it's going to um, affect your health badly. It's going to not allow your body to function in the way it's supposed to. And that in itself is going to contribute to depression and, you know, that dip that you're talking about. Just having a, a body that doesn't look and feel and work the way you want it to, it's a depressing thing, you know. It's not going to mean that you're going to be depressed, but it's going to contribute. And then the other aspect of it is you know that once you've eaten that chocolate cake, then you're going to go back to that internal debate, that argument. You're going to be beating yourself up. Oh, I'm such a failure. I've eaten chocolate cake again. Why do I keep doing this? Why can't I just stop? Why can't I? Why am I so hopeless? Why do I, you know, this, that, that's, those sort of thoughts just go on and on and on and on. If, you, if you're dealing with it like I did, that was the way it was. It was just constant, constant beating myself up and being angry with myself and frustrated and all of that. And to, to get rid, to quieten that voice where you're beating yourself up all the time, all you got to do is eat a potato, you know, <laughs> or a banana or, you know, a salad or, a, you know, bean chili or whatever, you know, but, but make a good food choice. And suddenly you, you've, you've, you've at least stopped contributing to the, the, the dip. And I, yeah. I think go, uh, just following on from that, that people don't think about, and especially I don't know about you, Andrew, but for me, that that in a the, the guy who's saying eat the donut, and then the guy who's also saying, "Gosh, you're a failure." You've the person or whoever it is in my head that says you're a failure. You've done it again, and it's this cycle that I see. You know, every, almost everyone that you meet is in that cycle in their head. But the thing is, it doesn't just torture you every day. It tortures your spouse. Like, many times my husband has heard me go on and on and on about the things I've eaten that I shouldn't have eaten and how much I think feel fat and gross and hideous. And then it spills out into your family, into your kids, because your husband's like, oh, God, you know, when will she be happy? How can I make her happy? What can I do to fix them? Because they keep talking about this, but they keep doing the same thing. And I don't want to make them feel bad. But it's, it's hard to hear your loved one bag themselves out constantly and find themselves sexually unattractive or repulsive or not want to go out because they don't feel good in their clothes and and. And then your kids, they they copy because they copy your bad mood about your inner dialogue. So it has a ripple effect that you that so much for, further than what just your immediate self. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I was someone who was pretty good at compartmentalizing all of that and just keeping it to myself. This is my problem. I'll, I'll keep it to myself, and I didn't really. I'm an you know, oversharer, so yeah. poor and jeet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not necessarily, but, but, you know, so I, I didn't have those. I wasn't talking to my wife about, oh, I've done it again and now I'm a failure or whatever. Um, I was, that was something I would just do internally. Um, and I wasn't some, you know, I was pretty good at, you know, making sure that I was always, you know, treating my son well and I didn't really snap with him and have bad moods with him because I was pretty good at keeping that all to myself. So, but at the same time, I was clinically depressed. I was anxious. I was a shell of the person that I am now. And, and um, you know, it's while I didn't take it out on my wife and my kid and I didn't, I didn't intentionally make them suffer for my mistakes, they were living with someone who was not, you know, it's hard. It must be, I haven't had to do it luckily, but it must be so hard to live with someone who you love who you can, you're watching them destroy themselves and there's nothing you can do about it. And 
no, I feel like welling up about about that now. But um, but yeah, that's even if you think you're not allowing what you're doing to do, to affect the people around you, it most certainly is. There, there's no way around that that you are affecting people around you with your choices and and um, and 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 it's really important that you don't hide from that. You know, you don't tell yourself that this is your problem only and it, and you know it's not for anyone else to worry about. The reality is you got to accept that you're affecting the people around you. And this is what I talk about that when, you know, you've most of this, most of what I do is just about trying to help people learn to see and accept reality for what it is rather than trying to tell yourself lies and trying to say that, Oh, it's funeral day. It's okay. I can do what I want. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, these sorts of things it, it's or like, I've had a bad day. This cake's going to help me or, or, you know, I'm, I'm in a dip and, life shit and who cares what's the point anymore i'm just going to eat this crap and you know just we, we need to take the time to look at reality and see it for what it is and take action accordingly yeah and taking some responsibility i think for me like when you're talking about that and the and the ripple effect i think also like with my parents love you if you're listening but they probably aren't so it's okay <laughs> <laughs> but you know they eat not Great, they're doing a lot better than they were when we were young, but they're still a long way to grow. But it also affects because I worry about them all the time, and they don't like me worrying about them. But I know my mum has a family history of heart disease, and 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 adults dying very young. Like some of her uncles died in their fifties, and she's sixty-seven, and she's you know she eats you know fishermen's baskets and you know all these. You know, she loves prawns and deep fried fish fillets at the surf club and went on holidays and all those things. And my dad, you know, he just had cancer and he's in remission, but, you know, he loves all that stuff as well. And when they're watching, when they're eating it, they, I said to them, because I lost my brother when he was 30 and I was 25, and the pain of losing someone that you love, I feel it all the time because that was so such a for me that was such a agonizing period of time of my life watching the family I love the most in the world slowly die and then die and so when I see them make those choices I know that those choices are leading to them possibly getting more cancer or dying of a heart attack and the thought of losing them because I love them so much it causes me stress beyond you know it really hurts me and I was talking to them recently saying when you say laugh it off or we're going to have a delicious steak tonight, ha, 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 duck, you know, they call me duck and they think it's a funny joke, you know, to kind of, oh, duck, you know, we had a good whatever. And I just think, I said to Dad, you don't get it because when you say that, I literally think about you dying when you eat those things. I don't. Yeah. It it hurts me because I love you so much. And so I think that that as well, when when you're eating that cake and making that choice, you're potentially shortening your lifespan and people that love you will suffer. You know, they will suffer. Yeah. Watching you suffer yeah. hurts people. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, it's just Yeah, I have I can really relate to your story with your parents. It was mine are the same. You know, I, I wish that my experience I shouldn't say I wish it had a, a impact to them. I'm sure it has and it um, they do eat better than they used to, so you know, it's an evolution but but yeah, they they'll they'll eat a fisherman's basket or you know, last night I was with them and they ate cheesy pizza with meat on it and you know, not the best food, but, uh, but yeah, you know, 
I don't I don't have any answers for how to <laughs> No, how I was I, I, I don't but, think we can yeah. change our families, but just for ourselves in our own food addiction journey when we're thinking about like that creating that response to the debate, you know, when you're getting that Yeah. For me, when you're thinking when I'm thinking about what you're saying about that thought plan, I think that that is something that I should be like more cuz I know Ranjit cuz I've got multiple sclerosis, he thinks he worries so much about my health cuz he loves yeah. me so much. And so that that should be in the forefront of my mind when I'm making a food choice as well as other things, other reasons why, you know, my children don't want to watch me suffer. They don't want to watch me get cancer or heart disease or whatever. And I don't want them to have to or to, you know, to get a relapse of multiple sclerosis. And so that that should also be an argument in your thinking, in your thought plan of why you don't want to feast on sandwiches and party pies at a funeral because you don't want your family to watch you suffer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and all of this... All of these arguments that we're coming up with about, you know, different things that you can use to, to win that debate with the inner junk here, it's all, it's all just about I, – I hear from people all the time that are saying, oh, I just I, – I love what you do and I think it's great but, and I'd love to do it myself but I just don't have the willpower or the, I don't have the um, strength of character or mind power or whatever, whatever label you want to put on it. And um, – and yeah, the point of all this is, like, I don't have extreme willpower either. Um, if I did, then I would have stuck with one of the other million diets I tried before this. Before this one, you know, that the the key to the, to success is um, is removing the need for willpower. So when you can when you can take a few minutes, I do this thing. I call it my emotional eating meditation. It takes about ten or fifteen minutes. So I'm, I guess you probably don't want to spend that amount of time, but um. But uh, I take clients through my emotional eating meditation, and that's all about um, really taking um, – when we do it together, we take 10 or 15 minutes to really put yourself in the position of someone who has made an unhealthy choice. I usually use chocolate cake as the example. And go through the process of how you feel, the emotions that you feel, and really putting yourself in the position of someone who is currently eating chocolate cake. And then fast forward 10 minutes, go through the emotion and the feelings that you get 10 minutes after, and then an hour after, and then the following day, and then six months' time. And imagine, you know, the six months' time is imagine you have made that choice repeatedly for six months, and, and how has that affected your mental health, your weight, your physical health, just your overall general well-being. And really, at each step of that process, really put yourself in the position and the whole the whole thing I've just, that I do there is really all about making people feel the emotions that they would be feeling at that time and really let those emotions become part of them. And we go through that, you know, the, that process for choosing chocolate cake, and then we go back to the start and go through the same process for choosing potato or something healthy. But I usually use potato as the example, but other kind of healthy food, and and then put yourself in that position of someone who is chosen to eat a potato, go through the emotions and the feelings and everything that they're eating in the moment of eating the potato, and then 10 minutes later, an hour later, tomorrow, and six months' time. And, and you really go through, um, and I, I think I like to think of the emotions and the feelings and the whole experience as a ball of energy, and we, I get them to imagine that ball of energy, and then imagine it all as a ball of energy floating in front of them, and then allow that ball of energy to enter their chest and become them and be that person in the moment. And, um, and then 
then once that's done, then we go back to the beginning again and you've got potato and chocolate cake. Which one do you choose? And once you've been through that whole emotional eating meditation, the need for willpower is totally gone because it's just a no-brainer that you're going to choose the healthy option every time because you've just lived the experience of what it's like to have made those bad choices. And um, so this is a really important tactic that I use. And you can do that. You know, when I introduce someone to this, I take 10 or 15 minutes to do that meditation. But then once you've done it, then you can go when it's mealtime, your family's around, there's junk, there's a table full of junk food. You can just go, I just need to go to the toilet. No one needs to know what you're doing. You can go to the bathroom, hang out on your own for two minutes, take yourself through a quick version of that emotional eating meditation. And then you can go back to the table and you just look at the food and go and and you know, it's just a simple, easy choice. There's no no problem with making a good choice then. So, yeah, there, there, there is a little bit of willpower involved because you have to just excuse yourself and go away for a minute. But, you know, once you've done that, the, the choice is easy, you know. So this is a really uh, important thing. That is fantastic. And I wish I'd invented it because it's such, such a great idea. And I did hypnotherapy a while ago. And I think that those things, when you go into that, you know, your higher consciousness – and talk with it and embody the person that you want to become and go through those medita- meditations like like your emotional eating meditation you and putting yourself right in that like thinking about what you'd be like if you chose cake every day for 6 months yeah it's such a powerful tool like it's such a great tool because you know that you're not going to feel great <laughs> you know you're not going to be yeah. happy at 6 months if you've chosen chocolate cake at every at every day for six months. But the potatoes, you know that you're going to feel like so healthy and vital and good and and good within yourself that you've made a choice to love yourself in that way every day. I think that that would be the best part of that decision, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's really, that's it's all about that. You know, the weight loss is great, but um, there's a quote from a, an old American basketball coach called John Wooden, and it, and it's along the lines of, um, self-esteem is the feeling you get when you know you've done your job properly, and that's that's really what it's all about. When you can when you can look in the mirror and honestly say that you've had a, a week, a month, a day even of making all the right choices with your food, then it's a good feeling. You know, whether you, there's there's no there's nothing else. That if you 100 percent it's got to be 100%. If you're 100% convinced and know in the, in the core of who you are that you have made perfect choices with your food for a day, you're going to get to the end of that day feeling good about yourself because you know that you've, you've done good. And, and um, whether or not you lose weight in that sense is, is irrelevant because it's not about the end result. It's about doing your job properly. And the end result will take care of itself. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I like that that quote. But I um, heard this guy talking about something different. But I feel like it's helpful as well for me. Sometimes when I'm not the person that I, I'm not yet in the place that I want to be. Sometimes I have to take inspiration from people who are in that in that place in the future where I where I would like to be. And I was listening to this guy talking about internet trolling, and he he just used this little example, and he just said, you know, I don't think Michael Jordan is 
writing angry comments on <laughs> on posts on the internet. <laughs> like I don't think he's got time for that. There's a certain type of person who's on the internet writing vicious comments, hateful things on the internet. And I laughed to myself and I thought, in relation to this topic in, in, in that thinking, I don't think Michael I used to always say that saying is that saying what would Jesus do? And I used to when I was back in my dieting, yo yo, paleo, whatever dieting, I would say I'd make it. I'd put a person that would be that. So for a while, it was Michelle Bridges, and I would say, "What would WMBD? Like, what would what would yeah. Michelle Bridges do?" <laughs> and, and sometimes for me, with that thinking, is trying to like, you know, what would Michael Jordan do? What decision would he make? Or you know, whoever it is that you yeah, think's yeah. a good person, what does or a person where you would like to be on this health journey, what would they do when there's a at a funeral and there's party pies? They probably would just eat nothing, you know. Or they probably, yeah. What yeah. would Josh Lajani do? Josh Lajani wouldn't eat a party pie. What would Andrew Taylor do? You know, they wouldn't do it. So that helps me until I become that. You know, I, until I get to yeah. that point where I can make that choice. Because what would Corinne Nidja do? Like, yeah, yeah. Or in in your meditation, it is what would what would six months from now Corinne Nidja do? Yeah. What decision that's would a really, she really make? good way to look at it. Yeah, that's a really, really, really good way to look at it. And yeah, the answer is obvious that the the Corinne Ninja that is, you know, I don't know what your goals are, but you know, whatever that that person, if you were that person in six months' time, you would look back at yourself today and go, no, we don't eat that. It'd just be a simple thing, you know. <laughs> But today it's not so simple. But in six months' time, it's it, it's going to be simple because you've made the effort today. Yeah, and I guess that is how you get just to tie it back into what you said before about your own journey. That is the way that you get that junkie to go back into the corner and get that version of yourself, your higher conscious self, to go into the forefront, calm and centered, and saying, you know, okay, junkie version of me. I'm not make, I'm not eating that cake today. We just don't we just don't do that. Yeah, you're not in control anymore, you know? It's not like you're not you don't have to abuse the junkie and say you're you're like a you know, you're an evil you're an evil side of me that I, I'm not gonna acknowledge anymore or whatever, you know. That that every every part of you is worthy of love and worthy of support and worthy of acknowledgement. But, you know, you just don't get to make the decisions anymore, Mr. Junkie. That's all. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, Andrew, yeah. thank you so much. We've talked, we've, I've, I could talk to you all day. Where can people find you to work with you and to do your emotional eating meditation with you? Yeah, have we been talking for an hour already? Yes. Jeez, oh, it feels like we only just started. I know, <laughs> I know. And I was thinking we have to keep going, but then I was thinking, gosh, Ranjit has to edit this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we can, we can, you know, we'll do just, another just one. Put, a, put a pin in that and we'll come back to it another time. <laughs> yes, we definitely will. Yeah. Definitely will. But yeah, if anyone is interested in uh, contacting me, then I'm, I'm Spud Fit on all the social medias, um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, the main uh, Twitter I do sometimes, but mostly not. Um, or you can email me, andrew at spudfit.com, or you can, yeah, you can contact me through my website, spudfit.com and, um. And I do actually just for if anyone's interested and not sure if you want to if if coaching's a thing for you, I do do a, a free initial um, intro coaching call. So 
if you're not sure, if you think, you know, maybe Andrew, Andrew sounds like a cool guy, but he doesn't have the answers to my problems, then let's find out. Maybe I don't, maybe I do, but you can find out for free if you want. So just contact me if, you, if you'd like that. I think that's a really great idea. And I think that everyone who's listening should call you and get a chance to sit with you and talk in person because, like you say, you never know how someone can help you until you actually ask for that help. So it's not, you're not losing anything by making the call and sitting with him and talking to him and seeing because it's doubtful that, you know, food, food addicts tend to have very, you know, we tend to have similar journeys as far as how we eat and how we relate to food. And so I'm certain that Andrew will be able to work to problem solve with you, work with you to problem solve your own issues in a style that suits you. Yeah, definitely. I hope so. Anyway, you know, like I said, I'm not. I'm not someone who's. I'm not here saying I, I've got the answers for everybody. And of course, there are going to be people who I can't help. And but you know, I still want to try. <laughs> so let's let's see what happens. Yeah. Different strokes, like different coaches suit different people. But I think that yeah. you're a very down to earth guy, and I know that lots of people will resonate with you and your story, and will find you super relatable because I you know, I think you're a very relatable person. So I. Definitely worth calling. Give him a call. Go on SpodFit. Go on the send emails. Call Andrew and check out. I'm your, here. I'm ready. Check out your <laughs> podcast as well because it's a good podcast too. Is it just but SpodFit podcast? Yeah, just SpodFit podcast. And um, yeah, it's sort of intermittent. I'm not consistent with it like you, but uh, but yeah, I'm. You've I'm got a little baby. <laughs> you haven't slept for years. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we forgive you. <laughs> That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, Andrew, three biggest tips. Well, yeah, first thing is to simplify. And uh, well, there's sort of one, two tips in one, I guess. Simplify and be prepared. So, um, yeah, just, just there, that's, that's step one. If you're not prepared uh, with, with both food and thoughts, then, uh, you know, it's a recipe for failure, I think. And, um, yeah, that's, that's it. So simplify and be prepared. Well, this is uh, I should have thought about this ahead of time because I know that you do this at the end of every 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 episode. But uh, just yeah, be spontaneous. I, I like it spontaneous on the fly. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah, can so think of two ex- two extra things. Yeah, simplify and be prepared. Is number one, I would say number two is um, slow down and just take your time. And you know, when you have these these thoughts for you, I want to eat whatever junk like we were talking about with that emotional eating meditation, slow down, take your time, remove yourself from a situation and think about it properly before you make a decision. All right, spur of the moment decisions are the enemy. Just take two minutes. It's only two minutes. Everyone's got two minutes to have a think before they make a decision. So just just do that, <laughs> number one. And uh, oh, Sorry, number two. And the third one, uh, I, I guess I would say is um, – is just sort of be easy on yourself. Uh, like a fa- people, I work with people who will have like a, a cookie or something, and then I'll and I was the same. I'm not, a, you know, I was this way forever. But when you when you okay, let me start again. Failure. People talk about failure. I failed. I ate a cookie. I failed or whatever. It's only a failure if you don't learn from it. You know, if you if you do something that you'd rather you didn't do, that's not a failure. What you you can use that, you know, for to learn from and to make sure that you next time that situation comes comes up that caused you to do something you'd rather you didn't do. You you've you've experienced it now and you've prepared. And if you if you take the time to contemplate what happened leading up to that choice, 
then you can be prepared for the next time and you can do it better next time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think I think a lot of people, it's funny, I've heard this analogy made tons of times, but I think it's so relevant. You know, in our society, you, we're actually the outliers if we don't immediately gratify ourselves with, with food. You know, people... Everyone mm. self-soothes with food, comforts ourselves with food, all types of hyper-palatable, high-calorie foods. It's the thing to do. So it's you're not broken if you <laughs> fall for, into that trap because the society, our society is designed to have us fall into that trap numerous times a day. But I think that, like Andrew said, eating that cookie and learning each time, and for me with people I work with as well, like starting to notice, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't tell our kids if they're when they're one and they're learning to walk, oh, you fell over, give up. <laughs> you know, yeah. walking's not for you. And I don't know if Howard said that on this show. Someone else on this show said that. Um, so I'm sorry if I'm misquoting it. Maybe it's not Howard or maybe it's was Glenn. I can't re- quite remember. But we don't say, oh, a kid can't walk because they've fallen over. Even if they fall over 20, 50 times. My son now is walking. He's not banging his head constantly, he, but he banged his head heaps of times when he first started walking. Don't quit because you are learning. Each time You know, the ba- babies are learning to walk, they're making different – they're like, oh, I can't lean too far forward, I can't lean too far back, or I'm going to tip forward and hit my head, or I can't, I can't be trying to do something else when I'm walking or I'm going <laughs> to hurt myself. Yeah. You know, it's tricky – and it's not yeah. meant. It's not meant to be. You know, so some people it's quick, simple band aid. Off they go. They never eat a bad food ever again. And those people, hats off to you. That wasn't my journey. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But if you're on that journey and you eat a biscuit, being easy with yourself because you're basically learning something that ninety percent of people never learn. It's a yeah. It's an awesome thing that you're trying to do. So every time you're not eating a cookie, deserves a huge pat on the back. And when you do eat the cookie, just go. Okay, dust yourself off, stand back up, forgive yourself, and keep eating potatoes after that. Yeah, and well, yeah, just I would add, take the time to examine the situation and and figure out why you why what the situation was and what led up to making that choice. Because you know, then then you know that that's how things work, and you can be prepared for the next time. Yeah, I was oversimplifying it. That's that's what you should do in (laughs) between. I think you should do exactly what you said yeah. plus, yes. plus the, the and examining I th- thing. Yeah. I think that that's so important. And we don't take time to, for self-reflection examination. Yeah, absolutely. And just it's reality. Again, it's about back to seeing reality. Reality is when I go to my grandma's place, she's got a cookie jar and I can't stay away from it. Oh, yeah, God, so, my grandma you know. <laughs> did have it. They had violet crumbles time, in the wine cupboard and I used to sneak in. <laughs> my God. Yeah. So next time I go to my grandma's place, this time I ate a cookie. I couldn't help myself. Next time I go there, I'm going to turn up full. That's the first thing I'm doing. I'm going to turn up full. Um, I'm going to eat 10 potatoes before I walk in the door so that I don't get hungry and think, oh, the cookie jar's over there. That's the first thing I'm going to do. And then the second thing is when I think of a cookie, I'm going to take myself to the toilet, take myself through this emotional eating meditation, and then I'm going to come back and eat another potato. You know, there's a, there's a plan that we've got that we we can develop because of the mistake we made when we went to grandma's house and had a cookie. You know, there's a we can we can come up with these sort of plans for every mistake that we made and then, you know, we're 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 ready. Teddy has your kids have a good dad. And I th- I know we're supposed to hang up because we've finished our three tips, but you've just made me think about cuz Iggy this morning was talking about all the kids at school have 
toast for breakfast. And I was saying, yeah, you're having oats oats for breakfast because oats are slow energy releasing and they're going to give you energy all day. You're not going to just go peak and trough, you know, big, huge, a little high and then a huge exhausted by 10 a.m. because nothing's left in yeah. you to release. And I think that what you're saying now, it's so great that you you, you and I and Shakul and Shamiz and Amanda and there's so many people out there doing coaching, um, Adam Guthrie, yeah. everyone's doing great jobs coaching us middle-aged people who've been effing up and reparenting ourselves basically yeah. from all. <laughs> but it's if you're a parent with young kids, you know, having those conversations that Andrew just did with your kids and giving them those tools now so that they don't have to yeah. undo all this stuff like we have to do when they're grown-ups is super helpful. So if you have small yeah. kids, anytime you get a chance to have those conversations, like, oh, gosh, I saw you eat a thousand bickies at, like my sons, I saw you eat a thousand Savoy's at Nana and Pa's house because they have Savoy's and my kids are fiends for Savoy's when they go to Nana and Pa's house. Yeah, yeah. Saying, how do you feel afterwards? You know, do you feel... How does your body feel? You're having those conversations. What could we eat instead? What other choices can you make? Because now Iggy had that conversation this morning and I know that he was like at the end of it like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. Oats. And then he was thinking about yeah. other foods that he could eat that would be slow-releasing foods Yeah. that would give him energy for a long time. I'm like, I want your brain to function and your body to function so that yeah. you can do all the running that you like to do at recess because he's, <laughs> he's only at school for the hang. You know, he wants to have yeah, the play. Yeah. <laughs> but if he's exhausted from having white bread for breakfast by 10, he's yeah. not going to be able to run as fast as his friends. So I find that what you're talking about now is great if you're listening and you have small kids to start those conversations about, you know, fruit loops compared to porridge. They're completely, they're not, they're different, completely different food sources you know and what they're going to do in yeah, their body yeah 100% yeah i've had quite a i posted a, something on social media one time about um about teddy my son having a, a big cookie somewhere it was just a photo i posted and i got a, i got a bunch of comments saying i can't believe you let your son eat that crap and whatever and I, and I, my response to that is if i don't let him eat that crap then i don't get to have the conversations with him that you were talking about and i don't get to teach him about how like how how those I don't get to talk to him about how he's feeling like physically and mentally after eating a cookie. I don't get to talk to him about um, how he can learn to make better choices, and, and I don't get to talk to him about why it's so important to to eat healthy food. And you know that doesn't mean he he still eats junk food from time to time, but he knows when he does it, he knows that this is not something I should do all the time. And and uh, hopefully I'm, I'm hopefully I'm helping a kid grow up that's not going to have the issues that I had with food. And hopefully he's going to be someone that can, that can eat, you know, some crap food once in a while and not let it overcome his consciousness and make him want to eat it all day, every day. You know, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. And, and yeah, I think it's a, a healthy way to do it. And he knows that, you know, I've talked to him lots. He knows that I, I'm, I don't eat that stuff because I can't stop. And, and um, so I'm not going to start. He knows that and he doesn't offer me anything. Well, he, he used to, but now he understands. He doesn't, when he's having chocolate, he doesn't offer any to me because he knows that I don't want it anyway. Uh, it, it's not like I'm worried about I'm not. I don't get angry at him for offering me or anything. He just knows that I'm going to say no, so he doesn't bother offering it to me. But, yeah, it's just uh, those are important conversations to have and I don't think we should we should force our kids to eat the way we do. I just think we should make them aware and allow them to make choices for themselves based on like educated choices rather than just based on what's fun. 
It's so true. It's uh, we, we we do have to stop, but it is super yeah. tricky because you just don't. I don't want to have taboos. I think that when you have a taboo around a food, you're making your kids want that food. Do you know what I mean? If I say, "Oh, you can never eat this because it's terrible for you," blah blah blah, blah I think that that's gonna, for me. Because my personality would be like, "Mum said this. Well, screw her. I am yeah. finding that when she's not looking, and I'm eating that thing straight away." Yeah, yeah. And like having said that, if I'm making dinner. I'm making a healthy dinner, and if you don't want a healthy dinner, then you're going to go hungry because I'm not preparing crappy food for you. But, you know, if we're out and about, we're at a party or whatever, eat what you want to eat, and we'll talk about it after. If we're out at a, if we're out for a nice day somewhere and he's hungry and oh, he sees something nice at a, at a cool shop that we've walked past, yeah, cool, we're out, we're having a nice time. If you want to eat it, eat it, and we'll talk about it afterwards and we'll see. But, you know... But when we're at home, I'm making dinner. I'm making you something healthy. And if you're not interested in that, then you can be hungry. That's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's yeah. the same at our house. So it's only very rarely that we have those other foods. But I mean, I think that it's really helpful because in educating them along the way, my kids are now naturally asking for less. Yeah. Because they, they know that it makes them feel gro- gross. Uh, I can even think about today. So we had a family function last night and there were some le- leftover chocolate crackle things that um, we ended up taking home. So every day when I make Teddy lunch, I put it in his lunchbox and it's always full healthy food. But today he's got a chocolate crackle in his lunchbox and it's a rare thing, but it's there and he'll eat it at lunch and he'll get home and he'll, and then maybe he'll say tomorrow, Hey dad, I want another one of them. And I'll say, well, we're not having another one. And here's why. And how did it make you feel? And do you want to be, you know, do you want your health to go the way that it will go? If you eat that every day, do you, do you want to be big and strong and fit and fast because they're the things you're interested in or do you want to do you want to slow down a bit do you want to not be able to keep up with your friends in the playground you know what do you want out of life and we talk about those sorts of things and you know I'm not harsh on him but we talk about it in a friendly way and and then you go no okay I don't want to crackle tomorrow I'll just go back to my grapes and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Anyway, just food for thought. Sorry to add that on to the end of the yeah. thing. But I just think that educating kids is a really great place to start because they want to learn. They're sponges. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe we should do another podcast about that sometime. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <Yeah. laughs> All right, see you later, Andrew. All right, yeah, thank you for having me. That was fun. Thank you Anytime. so much for coming on the show. I loved it. 